Wholesaling Studios, powered by RumbleOn.com. It's time to get all the info you need on the Vanderbilt Commodores. This is the Anchor Down Podcast with Vanderbilt reporter Max Hurd. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it, Max. On Nashville's best sports talk. ESPN. 102.5 The Game. And the Game Nashville app. It's time to Anchor Down and listen up. To the Anchor Down Podcast here on ESPN, 1025 The Game, and thegamenashville.com. I'm Max Erz. Let's talk Vanderbilt sports on this last Monday of October. October the 28th on thegamenashville.com and Monday night from 9 to 10 p.m. Over the air on 1025 The Game. Vanderbilt football was off this past week and their second of two bye weeks as they prepare to face South Carolina this coming Saturday on the road. 6.30 Central kickoff on the SEC Network, 7.30 local time in Columbia. Our reaction here on the podcast to Vanderbilt's big upset win over Missouri now two Saturdays ago continues. The Commodores beat the 22nd-ranked Tigers by a 21-14 final. New quarterback Mo Hassan made his first start for the Commodores and served as the spark plug the team needed in a major bounce-back victory after losing to UNLV the week before. This past week, I had a chance to speak with one of Vanderbilt's leaders on offense, their left tackle. The anchor of the offensive line, redshirt junior Devin Cochran. Spoke to Devin Cochran about Mo Hassan, the big win, what matters in the bye week, and more. So here is Vanderbilt's blindside blocker here on the Anchor Down podcast. I'm Devin Cochran. I'm from Atlanta, Georgia. I went to Greater Atlanta Christian School. You've probably been asked this by a lot of people over the past week or so. What changed from UNLV to Missouri for this team? Um, I think one thing we had was a leader stepped up. I think Mo came in, and, you know, when you have a guy who has that much energy, everybody kind of wants to match that energy, and especially when he went down. Um, we, we decided we wanted to do it for him because, you know, we love him so much. And to see him kind of come out one week, you know, get to start and do what he did, I mean, we just had so much inspiration to play as well as we could, so that's about it. Was there a moment when you guys were told that he'd be starting, and additionally, was there a moment maybe in practice where the offense felt, hey, this is going to work? Um, there was no particular moment when, when, when uh, we, we, were, we found out he was starting. Nobody really told us. He just kind of molded in. And then, you know, in practice, you just started to see him make plays over and over again. And it was just kind of like, okay, that's, that's the dude. Had you seen that type of thing from him before, whether it was last year in the spring? <laughs> Mo's my guy. I've seen it. I've, seen, I've been seeing it. I, uh, I, I said Mo was going to be the one a long time ago. I always said that. What made you think that early? Um, probably just his attitude. That dude's always in the weight room working out. I mean, he's one of the swollest QBs I know. He's always doing extra work. He's always working all way. He has the probably the most optimistic, positive attitude I've ever seen. So, I mean, he, I just I thought he was going to be the guy. He's someone who'd already made a couple of stops before here. Obviously, you hear where he's from. Maybe you met him on a visit or something like that. Mm-hmm. But you say, this guy went to Syracuse. He came through community college. He was yeah. one, on one of the other teams from last chance yeah. U. What do you think when you see that type of resume coming to Vandy? It just means the guy wants to play. I mean, you know, when a guy goes from place to place just looking for opportunity, taking opportunities, that means <clears> that they have <throat> the drive that a lot of guys don't have when they just go to one school. So, you know, seeing him go from – a big school to a small school and then make his way back to a big school and then just work his ass off, work his butt off to get where he needs to get. It's crazy to see. What type of dimension did he add to the offense with his legs? I mean, the fact that he could run and pull it in the option means that, you know, that kind of opens up the box a lot more. So him taking it out of the, uh, taking it out on the reads meant that when we had inside zones, we could run it a little bit better. Keyshawn was able to get it, get in the hole a little more. And it also opened up a little bit of the pass game when he had that deep throw to Kalaja. Talking with Vanderbilt left tackle Devin Cochran, how do those stretch runs open up the defense specifically? 
Um, when you do that, linebackers tend to play a little more soft. Guys aren't as downhill as much. You can see that the D linemen just worn out. I mean, they were tired. They, you know, they they started out talking crap, and then it just kind of turned into them just <laughs> just being real, just timid and meek and shy, and just not really having any any energy. And well, you know, when you beat down on a team like that over and over again. I mean, they just have nothing left in them. Derek Mason said that in pregame warm-ups, the tone was set because the linemen were putting their hands on each other, and you guys weren't doing that before. Where does that come from, and how do you manufacture that after it's been missing all season? Man, um, I mean, when you know that something's missing, coaches just try to fix it, and so coaches kind of implement it. And they, I mean, you can see in practice with Mason and uh, Coach Norcross, they're always running around, always screaming, always trying to get it out of us. And, you know, when they did that, I mean, it's, guys don't want to get yelled at. Guys don't want to be the reason for not being successful, too. So we kind of... I mean, the line just, we, we kind of hold each other uh, real accountable in that now. Coach Norcross has been here the same amount of time as you had. Both arrived in 2016. Right, What makes him the right man to lead this offensive line? Mm. He's tough. He's real hard. Um, I mean, he gets after you. Not a lot of coaches would do that. A lot of coaches would be a friend. He, I mean, he's not. I mean, he's... He makes it clear that it's a it's a it's a benevolent dictatorship. That he's the guy. He's the leader. You know, we just we do what he tells us to do, and we don't want him to get on it. We don't want him to get on us real bad. So we do it to the best of our ability, and we also hold each other to it. And because of that, we've uh, kind of built like a real, real strong. I think this is the strongest relationship we've had in the line. You know, this this past year, um, I think guys love each other, and I think that's the difference. Talk with Vanderbilt left tackle Devin Cochran after the win over Missouri here on the Anchor Down podcast. You missed the first three games of the season. How tough was that? That was hard. I mean, mentally, um, emotionally. I mean, it was it was hard to see you guys, you know, kind of go out and which, without you, especially when you prepare for so long. I mean, I've been doing this all my life. Um, so to kind of miss those few games, just you know, it, it built a little drive in me. It made me want to get back even more. And I mean, I worked with Coach Dobson. We got the conditioning right, and everything was getting there. And finally, when I got back, it was you know, it was surreal. That uh, what was that the NIU game? That was it felt great. It felt great to be back. Are you the type of guy who knows off the top of your head how many snaps you didn't play last year? <laughs> uh, no, but I know how many games I started. I know I started out there. Last year. Yeah. So I'm at what 26 now, 27 something. Like that. It's impressive. Um, how has this O-line group improved over the course of this season from Georgia till now? We molded um, new guys have kind of fit into new positions. Uh, you got Sean making his way in the center. Uh, Sage came back too. Sage was out. Um, and you also have Steen and Cole just holding it down on the right side. I mean, now that we kind of have a, a consistent group of people to kind of come in and do what they got to do. Um, we all know our assignments. We all know what we need to do, and it's gotten to the point where we trust each other enough to do what we need to do so we can keep like moving moving the ball. Talking with Vanderbilt left tackle Devin Cochran, we got five minutes into this interview without mentioning Keyshawn Vaughn once. <laughs> How did that happen, first of all? <laughs> Goodness. It was – I mean, it was sneaky. I mean, he sneaked Vaughn. I mean, <laughs> it was – I mean, we he came in. He couldn't play. He, you just you, All you would do is you just see him making uh, plays on the scout team. <laughs> I mean, he was killing the defense. And then, you know, last year he came out and he was just running. You know, he wasn't getting the ball as much in the beginning of the season. He was just like, Coach, you know, give it to me. He gave it to him and you just, you, you know, you saw a real standout guy step up. And, you know, ever since then it's just been, it's been the Keisha. We've seen him play through injury, get beaten up, things like that. What impresses you about how durable he is, even if he's playing through something? Man, I think I've seen Keyshawn die before, and he gets up every <laughs> single time. I mean, that dude is tough. Uh, he has a motor. He never slacks off. Whenever he's running, he's always running hard. He's competitive. I mean, the guy has it in him, honestly. That's, it's that simple. When you see a guy like him, you know, he has a son born the night before a game, come out. You know, when you see dudes like that, it, it, it's, that's, it, it doesn't get better than that. The circumstances surrounding that were obviously a little bit scary. An unexpected birth, a C-section the night before a game, things like that. What impressed you about the way he handled it as a man? I mean, when you when you saw him in the locker room, he didn't say much. I mean, he wasn't he wasn't sad. He wasn't slumped. You can you could tell he's a little tired. 
But at the same time, I mean, he just stepped up despite all that. And, you know, he, he didn't let us see the fact that everything was affecting him. He got in, made his money, and got out. Talk with Devin Cochran, Vanderbilt left tackle here on the Anchor Down podcast. One more question about Mo Hassan. If he is healthy and able to play against South Carolina, now there's some tape on him. Do you think that changes how defenses approach him? I think it changes the way the defenses will honestly approach our offense. Our offense. Um, I mean, with the with the introduction of a new guy like that, I mean, that's going to make them be a lot more cognizant of, of read options, uh, the quarterback getting out of the box, um, trying to trying to trying to change the way they uh, play run defense. I mean, everything's going to change, but I have confidence in them. What matters in this bye week for you guys? Probably effort. I mean, you know, we could have came out and just slacked off these past two days, past three days, and just not did, do anything. But, I mean, everything was a competition. You still had Mason getting after everybody today. You still had the coaches, you know, getting on us about hustling, making, making sure we were working. I mean, when you have guys competing even on an off day, it builds competition. That's what we need. I mean, that's probably the difference between practice last week and these other few weeks. Everybody was just working. Everybody was competing. I like to ask this question to every O-lineman I meet because, Devin, as you can tell, I did not play offensive line. I don't know if you would have guessed that or not. But what is one thing that you wish more people and more football fans knew about O-line play? <laughs> um, I wish they knew how to spot a good play. I mean, you know, you'll have a running back bust a 60-yard run, but it's a reason to run getting bust open. I mean, when you got holes and when you got O-linemen consistently running their feet and consistently beating up D-lines, especially good D-lines like Mizzou's D-line, you know, it, people don't really people don't realize that that's that's behind the success. So. Awesome. Devin Cochran, thanks so much. That's Dev. That's Dev. Appreciate you. Really appreciative of Devin Cochran for taking the time after the team's final practice before fall break last Wednesday. Yeah, no classes at Vandy Thursday or Friday of this past week. So thank you to Devin for uh, spending some of his last moments on campus doing that interview. So very appreciative of that. Always love to talk to the Vanderbilt football players at length when we get the really once weekly chance to do so in the middle of the season. So thank you to Larry Leathers from Sports Information for helping to make that happen as well. But really enjoyed hearing what Devin had to say, especially on the subject of Mo Hassan. You could tell that Mo Hassan's insertion as the starting QB was a big reason for the belief of this team. So I appreciate Devin talking about that front, what it was like to watch the first three games from the sidelines when he was hurt the season and more. If you missed part of that interview or want to hear it again, go to thegamenashville.com, click on Pod Center. And click on Anchor Down. All of our episodes are available on demand online there. Again, go to thegamenashville.com, click on Pod Center, and click on Anchor Down to find all of our podcast episodes and archives, including this very podcast. Coming up later on in the show, Joe Rexroad from The Athletic will join us, the Athletic Nashville columnist who covers all of Nashville's teams for the site. His piece Inside Malcolm Turner's quest to make Vanderbilt a player again in college football. That article is online on The Athletic. Would encourage you to go check it out. Joe spent that entire Saturday when Vanderbilt was beating Missouri in football, shadowing Malcolm Turner, seeing different pieces of Malcolm Turner's day on Vanderbilt homecoming. Wrote a 4,000-word article on it. We'll talk about that article and other observations and projections for Vanderbilt Athletics under... The new administration, what Joe learned, spending time with Malcolm Turner, Tommy Smith as well, and more. That's coming up later on in the show. You're listening to the Anchor Down Podcast with me, Max Herz, on ESPN 1025 The Game. The Anchor Down Podcast is on.
Welcome back to the Anchor Now Podcast, ESPN 102.5 The Game. Max Herr is with you on this Monday evening. Here on 102.5 The Game and thegamenashville.com. We cover all things Vanderbilt Commodores. Find us online, thegamenashville.com. Click on Pod Center and click on Anchor Down to find all of our full episodes, including this one, available on demand. We are over the air every Monday on 102.5 The Game from 9 to 10 p.m. That will be our time for the remainder of college football season, with the exception of when the Predators play on Monday nights. We will move to Tuesdays then, but again, you can find us always on demand on thegamenashville.com. New full-length episodes like this one every Monday. Football preview shorter episodes every Thursday. We'll be previewing the South Carolina Gamecocks this week. That's where Vanderbilt football will head this weekend down to Cola. South Carolina coming off a loss to Tennessee. Vanderbilt coming off a bye week. So we'll see how that one plays out. Vanderbilt head coach. So we'll see exactly how that one plays out. With Vanderbilt coming off the big win and a week off. And South Carolina coming in off a tough road loss to a team that is below them in the standings, or at least was coming in. Tennessee now with a couple of SEC wins consecutively. Mississippi State and South Carolina. So we'll see where Tennessee and Vanderbilt sit going into that final game of the season. They'll play Saturday after Thanksgiving at Neyland Stadium this year and the every other. This past week, spoke with Dana O'Neill, who's a senior college basketball writer for The Athletic. She came to Nashville, wrote about Jerry Stackhouse and Malcolm Turner, both on the basketball side and the administration and planning side for Vanderbilt's new men's basketball coach and their still relatively new athletic director. Well, this week, another great article about Malcolm Turner was in The Athletic, this time from a local voice, Joe Rexrode, who's the columnist and features writer for The Athletic Nashville, covers all of Nashville's teams. That piece is online now, inside Malcolm Turner's quest to make Vanderbilt a player again in college football. And every perspective that we get on what Vanderbilt is doing is a valuable one, and I really enjoyed Joe's article as he spent the majority of Saturday, October the 19th, Vanderbilt homecoming Saturday, Vanderbilt football defeating Missouri. He spent the majority of that day with Malcolm Turner, got great access, got to be a part of a lot of conversations, and do a lot of reporting. So I enjoyed the article, which is a long one, over 4,000 words, Joe said. I didn't count the words, but I'll trust him on it. So it started with Malcolm Turner in the morning addressing a large group of football alumni. That meeting was behind closed doors, so Joe was not a part of that meeting, but he did get a lot of perspective on it from the football alums back at Vanderbilt of various times and age groups. He also got to spend a lot of time Catching up with Turner on the athletic strategic plan, which they're working on with Perkins and Will, the architecture firm, which they've commissioned to help them and help them gather info. And we're getting closer to hearing about the plan and the plan getting underway. We'll talk with Joe about that as well. And why those who are saying, and I've said this a couple of times now, those who are saying, where's the new stuff? Where's the plan? It's been nine months why those folks need to be patient. And then also, another great thing about the piece was we got to hear from a voice that I think is really just as valuable as Malcolm Turner's, just as new, to be sure, Tommy Smith, who officially in title is the special advisor to the athletic director. Tommy Smith is a longtime Nashvillian who 
worked with the NBA, worked closely with Malcolm Turner, and came with him from the NBA to be at Vanderbilt. And he's an extremely valuable voice and resource in this process, is side-by-side with Malcolm Turner, as Joe profiled and reported well. So Joe and I will talk about Malcolm Turner's right-hand man in addition. Just enjoyed the piece as a whole. Check it out if you can. If not, Joe will bring you up to speed. Joe Rexroad joins us next. It's the Anchor Down Podcast, ESPN 1025 The Game. This is the Anchor Down Podcast. Welcome back to the Anchor Down Podcast here on ESPN 1025 The Game. As mentioned last segment, Joe Rexrode with an article on The Athletic inside Malcolm Turner's quest to make Vanderbilt a player again in college football. Came out this past week, Joe spent the entire football Saturday with Malcolm Turner as Vanderbilt football beat Mizzou, and there were a lot of hands shaken, conversations had, and important homecoming commitments made. Great stuff from Joe in the article if you haven't seen it. Definitely wanted to get Joe on the show to talk about the article and all the surrounding reporting, his thoughts on Vanderbilt's athletic administration and more. So here he is. Let's bring on Joe Rexroad here on the Anchor Down podcast. Joe, thanks so much for joining me. Thanks for having me, Max. So we all got a chance to read the article from last week. You spent the entire Missouri football game day with Malcolm Turner. Before we get specifically into the different parts of your reporting and the article, just kind of give us your full summary of the day, shadowing Malcolm Turner. Yeah, well, it was uh, – well, I appreciate, you know, him being willing to do it for one thing, and I think he's mm-hmm. been he's been good about that um, for the most part. I think he's been pretty accessible um, since he's taken the job. But, you know, I really kind of want to do it with an open mind. I actually wasn't with him through the whole game. You know, he was kind of – in and out of his box. Um, I did go down with him on the field when he went for the presentation and then walked around the stadium. Most of it was pregame, and uh, it was interesting. You know, I, I think one thing, and I knew it was important, but you know, when you kind of see them together, I got a new appreciation for the importance of Tommy Smith. And, you know, one – his role in Malcolm Turner, I think, really looking seriously at this job. And then, two, sort of the, I don't know if right-hand man's the right way to put it, but I think he's definitely a trusted confidant. And, you know, a, a, another person, I think, in that department who, you know, probably has sort of a natural knack for some of the things you need to get done, which is just, you know, being personable is important you know i mean i mean sometimes it is kind of simple you know if like people like kind of talking to you and hanging out with you um that can be an asset and i think you know tommy and malcolm obviously have a very good relationship and i think they play off each other well too socially so that was one thing i i mean i wrote a lot about tommy in there and that wasn't necessarily you know something i intended to do but right you know when you're there you kind of you get the feel for how this is all set up. And, you know, definitely, I, of course, wish I could have been in that meeting with the former football players. <laughs> that would, I was like, man, 
trying to figure a way I could like, you know, sneak in the back or something and, you know, leave my tape recorder. But, um, but you know, I, you could, you could sense the appreciation and, and you could tell listening to the guys talk, just the fact that, that he had those guys in to talk about stuff. And, you know, I think, uh, I think a lot of times, Max, when there are changes in, you know, athletic department leadership, or even, you know, football coaches, like, it seems like you always hear something like, well, you know, we really want to be involved, but, you know, we just weren't involved enough and we wish that more people reach out and all that stuff. And you hear, like, this renewed, like, okay, we are going to bring these people in. And so I think this is a good start. But I also think, you know, it's important that there's follow-through on that and that they are kept involved and that there is some sort of letterman's club or whatever you want to call it with former Vanderbilt student-athletes who actually have some say in in some things. That, you know, all that stuff is important. you gotta you got to keep with this stuff. It's good to have these initial things, and now you've got to follow through. Joe Rex that Road. was a long answer, Max. Oh, you're good. You're good. That's great. Joe Rexroad from The Athletic Nashville is on the line with us. His article, Inside Malcolm Turner's Quest to Make Vanderbilt a Player Again in College Football, is online now. Let's talk a little bit more about that football meeting that you were not allowed into, but got a lot of secondhand accounts from immediately after. You said that, that there's catching up to do, that these guys, many of these players from different eras, both recent and multiple decades ago, hadn't heard as much. So what are kind of the steps after talking to Malcolm Turner and the players you talked to about not just catching up to where they should be, but really continuing to advance from there and activating the alumni base and turning them into a bigger donor base. Yeah, well, there you go. You hit on the, that, that last thing. That's that's the thing. I mean, look, th- these are potential donors, and again, Tim Corbin's program is probably probably the mod the model for just about any aspect of a mm-hmm. college sports program that you'd want to have. And certainly, from that perspective, um, you know, we know some public gifts that have taken place, but. My understanding is there's a lot of involvement you know, from former players, and not just in giving, but in coming back and being around and just being active, you know, being involved in the program. So that's you know much credit to him. And some of this is on the in the specific coach of each program, of course, and some of fundraising is on the specific coach. You know, really, I mean. Even though there are development people, there are specific fundraisers, the athletic director and, and staffers. You know, the, the the comment I think was in the piece. You know, everyone's a fundraiser. I mean, that's true. But you know, the coaches have to be involved too. But I think next steps, as I said earlier, you know, like establishing a formal club, I think is is a good move. Um, and then I think you know it, it's kind of independent of those players or the, that meeting. You know, of course, the facilities plan moving on now. You know, now they've moved on to the sort of what if phase. I wrote that in the piece. You know, as Malcolm Turner was talking about sort of going through some, you know, I think realistic hypotheticals, not just like what if we had an enormo dome, you know, over here. And, I mean, <laughs> you know, it's like actual real stuff, you know, that that could happen. I feel it, it, I got the sense there's you know maybe two or three kind of either or situations. In terms of utilizing the buildings, you know, moving some stuff, building here, renovating there, um, but you know, you've got to have that while you are still out there, always fundraising. But I think when there is 
a more concrete vision that can be put forth, which is supposed to be around January, then I think you can really accelerate the fundraising and get uh, you know get into it. And of course, there is a capital campaign coming in the spring. And I just obviously it's well documented. You know, Adam Sparks at the Tennessean you know did a great job last year with the story on fundraising and how you know some people in athletics sort of felt roadblocked. I, I have no idea how things are going to go, and I've heard from people like, well, you know, you can say whatever you want, but there's just people at Vanderbilt who are not going to let it happen. I mean, I, you know, I, it, it's fascinating to me, that whole dynamic, but I really get the sense that athletics is going to have a, have a better go of things this time around. Joe Rexrode with us on the Anchor Down podcast. What do you expect that January 2020 plan to include? Ah, great question. See, now I'm just going, what if? Um, but I, I, I got this, and I, and I wrote, you know, his quote, and when he said it, I, you know, it struck me. I really do think that the priority is, you know, football day-to-day of some kind. I mean, that is, because it really is, that's a recruiting thing, and, you know, any coach will, will tell you, I mean, it's just – You've got to have that, and if you, when you look around at what some of these programs, really probably just about every SEC program has for their players day to day, compared to what Vanderbilt has, I mean, it's it, there's a vast difference. So, even though the stadium hasn't been significantly touched since 1981, I I'll be interested to see if there's maybe you know some sort of stadium stuff in there too. I wouldn't be surprised, but I feel confident that there will be a football building plan of some kind. I'm not, I mean, I, I, I could, you know, guess, I don't know what that means, but I think, I think that's an absolute priority. And then, you know, maybe s- some more stuff with Memorial gym, which I, you know, we, as we've seen there, you know, they got some new lights going on there. I mean, they, they, you know, they're, they're doing some things here and there that they can do quickly right now, but probably something of more significance there too would be my guess. I've tried to explain this to people as we get close to the end of the first year of Malcolm Turner as the athletic director at Vanderbilt. Can you kind of explain in own in your own words, especially after this experience, why drafting the plan takes the time it does? Um, well, I guess I'd be interested to hear your explanation. I mean, I, I don't uh, – I, I mean, I guess that question – sounds like you you have I, mean, I, I assume you're talking just about the red tape at Vanderbilt is that is that uh, no I'm, or, I'm I'm talking just with the the new administration alone people saying where's the plan why is there not a plan oh, yet yeah right yeah no I mean it, it, it's not yeah you can't snip your fingers I mean and you know I think they're going about it the right way um yeah and you know what that that is to me, I mean, that's just, yeah, that's not being realistic. Right. Because, you know, again, the first phase is just, uh, I mean, even just going through getting the data, you know, getting the usage rates and doing, and I, and I think great idea going through, and, and, you know, sensible, you know, common sense, but, um, you know, it's a good thing. They're going through all the facilities in the SEC and comparing them to what they have for this, for this function, that function, et cetera, et cetera. You know, are they at the level? Are they way behind? Are they ahead? You know, there's not much ahead. Um, go, you know, you've got to have all the data. You've got to have all the analysis. You have to start there. You can't just say, let's just start, you know, put something in the ground. You know, 
I know people want to see that. Now, I have heard also the, okay, I'll believe it when I see something. And, I, and that's fair to me. You know, listen, I get it. Um, you know, there's, there has been talk before, and, and, you know, there has not been the action to follow the talk. So I understand that skepticism. But, yes, the idea that there should already be stuff happening. I mean, the guy started in February. And these are massive projects that are going to take significant resources. So when you come with these plans, you better feel great about them. Right. You better feel great about, you know, because, again, you also don't want to get in a situation, as we see a lot, where it's like, oh, yeah, well, actually, about $20 million under budget with that initial, uh, you know, estimate. I mean, you've got to and – and I get the sense that it's going to be very thorough. Um, look, when, you, when it's been this long, and you are in some ways this far behind, I mean, you have to make sure. You, if you're going to get a shot at it, you've got you've to get it right. You were the first member of the media to speak with Malcolm Turner after the meeting with Perkins & Will, the construction firm that's working on the plan and has been doing the due diligence. As you said in the article, they're going from diligence to what if were the words that are being used. What specifics did you get about that conversation that had been had? It really, I mean, I don't really have much more other than, you know, what I wrote in the piece, which is, mm-hmm. again, um, you know, just that, uh, you know, it's, it's they, they, I think they have some, again, it's not just far-flung hypotheticals. I think it's a few different things. I don't have a great sense for it's either A or it's B, but that I get a feeling that there are a couple different ways they could go on a couple things. And, you know, they're, they're trying to figure out exactly the right way to go. But, again, I, I think it does center. Like, if when this comes out and we find out some specifics, I will be very surprised if football day-to-day fo- uh, slash football building, whatever you want to call it, is not central to um, the plan. And, you know, that, of course, is great news for Derek Mason, you know, presuming Derek Mason, you know, continues in this job after this season. Uh, but that's something, I mean, he's, he's made uh, no secret about the fact that he, he feels that necessary. And, and if you've gone through McGugan center, I mean, you know, they've done the best they can, but the, again, it's just college football facilities are, well, I mean, frankly, they're quite obscene in a lot of places yeah. and especially in this <laughs> league. And it's just it's a totally different world when you look at what other programs have compared with Vanderbilt. Joe Rexrode from the Athletic Nashville is on the line with us. His piece inside Malcolm Turner's quest to make Vanderbilt a player again in college football is online now. You did a great job profiling Tommy Smith, who you said earlier, right-hand man, second-in-command, whatever you want to call him. He's kind of the less-spoken figure in all of this. Uh, Nashville, a Nashville native, a Nashville local, worked with the NBA for a long time. He is the nexus of both sides of all of this for Malcolm Turner, and you did a great job profiling him really heavily, like you said in the article, and I know that wasn't your your true intention coming in, but I think it's a very important part of this story. And the thing I want to ask you about the two of them together is, what is important about it being the two of them instead of just Malcolm Turner doing this? Well, Max, I think you hit on one thing. It's just that, I mean, Tommy knows Nashville. He, he knows Vanderbilt. And this is, this is a guy who, you know, grew up going to Roy Skinner's camps and, you know, has clearly has followed Vanderbilt as a fan his whole life. And, 
also remembers when things I think were different in terms of Vanderbilt compared with you know SEC teams or you know other college programs. Uh, just knowing the lay of the land, I think, is really important. And I think you know when you're interviewing for a job, I mean, anyone can tell you, oh, we, you know, we've got great potential, and you know, we've got this or that. But if you have someone you trust, you can say, yeah, I mean, honestly, like this place there's a ton of potential here, you know, that, that is going to resonate. And I think it clearly did. Um, Tommy's role. Yeah, there was a lot. Yeah. There was a lot that I didn't throw in there, you know, in terms of just chatting with him and stuff. I think he had a comment to, to paraphrase. He sort of, you know, inserts himself where needed. I think he said he's kind of more, yeah, I guess not fundraising, but kind of more marketing uh, focused, but, Again, I think that when it comes down to, you know, Malcolm Turner, this department, you know, their their actual athletics, you know, fundraising people, you know, actually getting involved with donors, I think Tommy Smith will be an asset. I think he'll be involved just because he he's just an easy guy to talk with. You know, he just has a, a personality that I think is is well suited to that role and you know, i mean you could see it a little bit on the, the day i was around you know and, and those those two malcolm and tommy um usually were near each other and talking to all kinds of people mm-hmm. uh, you know around around uh, campus and and in the stadium and yeah you know, i think it's uh i think it's definitely a partnership obviously those guys you know they're very proud of what they did with the g league i mean you look at what the G League was and what it has become, and you know a lot of people probably don't follow the G League or care that much, but it was absolutely it was like sending a player to Siberia yeah. a few years ago, and now it's an actual you know feeder developmental league that is respected. The NBA has embraced it. I mean, they, they really changed things, and it's not exactly the same. Of course, it's not the same exact thing as you know fundraising, asking uh, donors or potential donors for money, but it is still persuasion. And, and Tommy Smith made that point. And I think it's a, I think it's a good point, um, you know, and I think that, uh, you know, it's a big part of why Malcolm Turner is here. And I think there's probably an acceleration and a comfort level that a lot of people in his position wouldn't have because they don't have that person and he has that person agree completely with all of that the last thing i'll ask you joe rexroad here on the anchor down podcast is i i know you uh got a lot of it in what'd you say four thousand words for the article it was <laughs> it's about that yeah. it, it was a long piece so i know you got the majority of this stuff in so i'll ask this in two parts anything else that you weren't able to put in that you think is relevant or would want vanderbilt fans to know as well as what do you look for as you continue to follow this story on Vanderbilt's athletic administration? Well, as far as the first part, you know, there were a lot, there were a lot of different conversations around the stadium that, you know, and a lot of things are like, Oh, I'll get that in. I'll get that. in, And then it's like, okay, I can't, <laughs> you know, even, uh, you know, former Vanderbilt athletes and right. support of trust members and things like that. Just, it becomes, you know, a, it becomes a movie script. If you do all that more than an article. Yeah, and a lot of it, you know, somewhat redundant, you know, some of the similar conversations. But 
he definitely got, first of all, super impressed with Malcolm Turner for his recall of names. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, because I'm like, man, I mean, I, I, it'd be another year for me uh, asking, <laughs> oh, yeah, oh, yeah, who's that again? Uh, you know, he, he, he's very good with that. And it's, it just strikes me that a lot of these people, I, it seems that they feel comfortable with them, you know. Um, I, I think he's, I think he makes it easy for people to uh, talk to him, and he makes people feel welcome. And so, it, for someone, you know, in his first football season as AD, walking around the place, it was it was pretty impressive. Also, um, there was talk. Another thing I couldn't get in, but there was there was a lot of raving about Jerry Stackhouse's uh, grilling, and I know that that's been featured on the SEC Network, so I yeah. knew about that, but. <laughs> You know, there were some people that were just like, man, how does he do it? What is he putting in these burgers? Like, he's feeding, the, you know, the whole student body. So, a lot of props for that. Um, so that's the first part. The second part is, what, what am I looking for moving forward? Yeah, any anything along those lines. Yeah, I mean, I well, you know, the next thing, I, the next thing before we get to these plans and the specifics and, and the attempt to get the resources, you know, I mean, I do think Malcolm Turner is has is probably going to have a decision to make on Derek Mason. I mean, maybe Derek Mason will, I guess, make it easy on him and build on that Missouri win and rip off some more wins and kind of put that to bed. But I still look at this team and, you know, I've got to see that again and again to think that, you know that, that they're going to change that bottom line, and then if the bottom line is three, four wins, you know what does that mean? Um, you know, I think uh, I think it's. Yeah, I mean, you know, people are asking like, oh, so is it going to be like after the seventh game, eighth game? Like, when's he going to get fired? Like before the year's over, right? You know, no, no. It, you know, this is a very tough decision. And it's it's not simple at all. Um, but I do think that uh, he may be put in a position to really look hard at Derek Mason. And um, I don't have a great feel for how that might go. I mean, I think, you know, how it, how it might go will, will be told in large part on the Saturdays to come. But I, I wouldn't assume anything with the football coaching position for 2020 at this point. Good stuff. Joe Rexrode, thanks so much. All right, Max. Thanks for having me, man. Appreciate it. Appreciate Joe Rexrode from The Athletic joining the Anchor Down podcast. Inside Malcolm Turner's quest to make Vanderbilt a player again in college football is the headline of the article. You can read it, as well as everything else Joe writes on the entire Nashville sports scene on The Athletic. Take a break, wrap things up. Great show today. Devin Cochran, Joe Rexrode talking football and then athletic administration. Put a bow on it next. Smack Sirs, the Anchor Down Podcast. You're anchoring down and listening up here on ESPN. 1025 the game. You're listening to the Anchor Down Podcast. Welcome back to the Anchor Down Podcast, ESPN 1025 The Game, last Monday of October. Yeah, we are pushing towards Vanderbilt basketball, Vanderbilt women's basketball, 
had their first exhibition, actually their only exhibition, against Palm Beach Atlantic on Sunday afternoon. Put the herd on the sailfish. Great mascot. We'll, of course, have plenty of Vanderbilt men's and women's basketball coverage over the course of the winter and the coming months here on the Anchor Down Podcast. Max Herr is with you. Devin Cochran, Vanderbilt left tackle, joined us to get the program started. Joe Rexroad spent the last 20 minutes with us talking about Malcolm Turner, his article on him from The Athletic. If you missed either of those, thegamenashville.com is the place. Once you get to thegamenashville.com, click on Pod Center, then go to Anchor Down. You can see all of our episodes there, as well as on our SoundCloud page, The Game Nashville on SoundCloud. I've got a playlist of all of them up in order, but if you're listening over the air on 102.5 The Game, where we play from Monday nights from 9 to 10. If you missed the beginning of the show, definitely check it out. Right off the bat, that interview with Devin Cochran, eight minutes one-on-one with Vanderbilt's best offensive lineman, talking about Mo Hassan, who will be Vanderbilt's starter this Saturday at South Carolina if he's out of concussion protocol and cleared to return, Derek Mason says. Devin Cochran with some strong comments on Mo Hassan, how he changed the trajectory of the team, how they won the game, some stuff on his season and his career, and more. So definitely check that out. All Vanderbilt fans definitely want to hear that interview. Really want to be able to give a voice to those guys when we can. Don't get to hear and really see the faces and the personalities of these Vanderbilt football players as much as we should, just by virtue of the way the sport is. You don't get to see the faces. Not as many interview opportunities as some of the other sports, so really happy we got a chance to speak to Devin Cochran earlier on in the show. A lot of moving parts heading into this game Saturday. Vanderbilt out South Carolina Saturday night. Commodores coming out of the bye week. Boy, could they use another SEC win. South Carolina wounded right now after that loss to Tennessee. They beat Georgia in a game that they had and handed away. Kicking game an issue for both teams in overtime. Clock management, decision making, just bad. Just really bad from both Will Muschamp and Kirby Smart in that game. So we'll see what happens. Vanderbilt going on the road, that's the thing that concerns me the most. Vanderbilt going on the road. I think if Mo Hassan plays, the offense will continue to be dynamic. There's not a ton of tape out there on him, and I think Vanderbilt has had a time to maybe install some more packages for Hassan, some more RPOs, which just weren't working with Rylan Neal and Deuce Wallace. So we'll see what happens. I think Vanderbilt definitely has what it takes to win this game. We'll have a more comprehensive preview for you this Thursday on the Anchor Down podcast, our shorter edition. Again, you can find that up on thegamenashville.com. But it's getting to be an exciting time. Vanderbilt baseball went on the road to meet Oklahoma State and Kansas City for their first of two fall exhibition games. They will have Michigan here on Sunday, November the 10th. Vanderbilt and Oklahoma State toured the Negro League Baseball Museum, did not have a chance to talk to anybody from the team in the less than 24 hours since they returned to Nashville to the recording of this episode, but... As the fall goes on, we will definitely talk more Vandy Boys fall ball. We cover Vanderbilt baseball year-round here on the podcast, and we will have total coverage of that Michigan exhibition once it gets here when Vanderbilt will be starting their final week of fall on-field baseball activities. The reports, though, were very strong. Aaron Fitt of D1 Baseball was in KC for the matchup. Kamar Rocker, Jake Eater. Chance Huff and Jack Leiter were the four Vandy pitchers who went multiple innings as the quote-unquote starters as the two teams played 16 innings a ball. 
So the reports were high on all those guys. Dominic Keegan hit a home run. The freshman position players got their first chances to shine. Spencer Jones swung the bat for the first time against another uniform as a Commodore. You don't really read into the results of that too much, but individual at-bats are good. Good to see who's throwing and how they're throwing over the course of the fall. But I think this Vanderbilt team will be in good shape come springtime, which should be a surprise to absolutely no one. Again, if you missed any of the episode today, thegamenashville.com is the place. Devin Cochran, thank you to him for joining us. Thanks to Larry Leathers for making that interview happen. Thanks to Joe Rexroad for joining us for that extended chat about his article on Malcolm Turner. You've been anchoring down and listening up with me, Max Herz. It's the Anchor Down Podcast on ESPN 1025 The Game.